together this morning. It's good to have the uh, Aramis and Donna back. Trust they're feeling better. It's um, it's upon us to ask the Lord to uh, meet us today, right? God is, uh, he, he doesn't lack faithfulness, um, and he can do anything that he wants, but, but uh, so much better when you are in line with what he wants to do and you avail yourself to his purpose. And, uh, and that is something that we can do, is make ourselves available for his working and however it is that he wants to speak. Um, you, God has something for us each day. We don't always see it. We don't always hear it. But if you make yourself available, um, He can guide us through the day. And He can feed us. You know, this can be just an exercise here this morning, or we, He can meet us uh, individually if you come before Him and you say, Lord, I need your help today. And, um, that's plenty right there. <laughs> I need your help today, Lord. Uh, so, Lord, we do come this morning. We open our hearts, Lord, to your voice, your word. Lord, we know that you are faithful, Lord. So we align our, our plans, Lord, our agenda. Ask you to meet us, to guide us today, Lord, to speak to us. Lord, to make your word clear to each heart, Lord. Thank you for this time together, Lord. And we ask for your presence to be with us. Amen. Let's go ahead and get it.
I wonder. A lot of stuff about different ones. Uh, but particularly how when God was talking to Solomon and, and he spoke to him and, and said, what can I give you? Now we all know, we've said it, God is everywhere. He's omniscient. He's not, he's omnipresent. Somehow he can be everywhere, which you and I don't try to linger on that and get a, a definition uh, or how he does it. Uh, I like to think he, the, the millions of angels. But uh, he knew very well the direction that Samson was going to go in. He knew that he would be girled out. Now, how many, somebody may have a figure in math, people know how many women uh, he brought home. Anybody? One too many. What? I said one too many. <laughs> that may be a better answer. These numbers can clog our thinking. But it was several hundreds. Okay. Now, when the Apostle John, you got to love him. Because right off, I mean, you teachers know what I'm talking about. There are kids in your classes who who like themselves and they presume that you love them. Their dads have framed them if they're girls and they're very confident, and sometimes guys. I know I'm loved. I, I know, and, and John, very open about it. Uh, I'm the one that he loved. Mm -hmm. uh, and he lived to, they say, into his 90s. And, uh, and I've wondered, because he talks about, I heard him, we saw him, we felt him, we were there, we were there. And uh, I thought, you know, it's also 400 people saw him alive because Jesus, after the fact, was alive for 40 days and 40 nights speaking to people. When he was beaten half to death, hang on a cross, came off limp, they shoved the spirit inside in order to make sure. And God stands him up because he's the son of God. Folks, if that's all you get this morning, if that's all you get, that's worth your time here. But the devil wants to run you off. I'm not talking about that stuff. Okay, please. I like, I like the fact that some of you might hang around. I'm not bothered because he'll run you down wherever you are. Can you say amen to that? Uh, you guys have been around a little bit. Has he, has he uh, stayed after you? What? He doesn't let up, regardless of what kind of a runner you are. And, and I know a little bit about you, not enough that I want to broadcast it. I had fun the other day, sitting here, it was, one of, it was such a rejoicing time. You know, uh, sister, there were several that were real, I mean, I hope you folks from 
you know, all, all the visiting uh, uh, Kellers, the work Kellers at one time, uh, have seen uh, the growth in your, in your mom and dad. Sometimes it's good to go and you come back. And, and except with Isaac, I came back and I said, oh my God, who's that kid? But, but when, I mean, didn't you like the minute or two you got inside there with the joy? And what I liked better, I mean, it was a good, it was confirmation, and she talked about that she had to kind of initiate things, but she was pushed by a real close friend that she flew to, flew to Hawaii to see. But what I liked the best was, was Josiah. Because I thought, you know, Josiah has a certain uh, level of calmness, or, uh, and, and I thought he's gonna, he may duck down or something. He didn't, he just stood there and was very happy about what was said. So I could say, I think the guy loves the truth. And I need, I need to take lessons because sometimes Betty gets up and she doesn't directly confess my sins, but, <laughs> you know, obliquely she can say. But you sit here today and everything that we've been fastened on, I remember standing at the 24th floor in Kuala Lumpur, and I think I've said this to somebody here, maybe to all of you, and lightning was coming down, major volts, and the sound was deafening. I thought, I, you know, I, I wasn't afraid of it, but I was thinking, could a couple of those volts hit this thing, and do they prepare themselves? Well, I'm looking out on the grandeur of that city. But you know, all those guys, that did the building, the architects, the workers, and all If, and this goes for me and it goes for you. Anything that's done that God hasn't authored isn't gonna last. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it, sometimes it's, it's a little scary. When the cross has done its work, there is liberation for all human limitations. You're limited today. I'm standing here, and this morning I felt the Lord say to me, you know, I was talking and listening. Wonderful praise. Then you kind of go away with the praise today. Especially the last few minutes there, I mean, wasn't it? If you weren't lifted, you, you need to go home and stick a little fork in your wrist and say, are you still, are you Lazarusian leather or do you sense God's presence? Is that true? Don't you like it better that way? Then when we come in, it's just kind of a merry-go-round, a couple of good songs. And, but you can still break through. Okay? But nothing that you see will be there because God is removing everything and can we say together, just say it softly, you don't have to say it, I don't like always. Uh, I mean, Dan is really good, he does it in a way I'm not offended, but uh, can we say 
kind of quietly, God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. So everything in you that he doesn't like or that you have had struggles with is going to go. I remember, and I, it's not that I'm rude, I'm just a kind of a free guy, and sometimes my wife said, you're too free. And, uh, well, Joe, Joe was saying, he gave a word regarding, uh, could be electrocuted if that water was uh, Joe gave a word and he said, uh, I don't like this idea of just being saved by fire. And I said, Joe, how do you think you got where you are? Everything that has brought you to your place. My, my grandmother had, I mean, she prayed for me and I laughed out loud when I heard it. I was not even close to the Spirit of God. And, and my, <laughs> when I heard it, you know, but I know my grandmother prayed for us because she said, I had a dream and Billy was a minister. And my wife likes to brag and say, I, when God spoke to me, I didn't think that God was going to do anything. He wouldn't even walk a nice old lady across the, the street. You've heard him say that. And I said, well, what have I been doing for the last three or four or five years? I mean, you, you were 70 plus. I walked you across when I remembered. You are facing the continual affliction, fire of God. There's no way out. There's no way to get away from him. You, if you, uh, you make your bed in hell, he's there. I don't worry about hell. I think we make hell. Uh, people think there's a place that is everlasting. I don't, if, if all that I see in the mercy and grace of God uh, doesn't drive me forward, I, you know. But those who have been identified with Christ in his death are raised by him to a life on a supernatural level, and through them he achieves such things as were before utterly impossible. There is no human explanation for the accomplishments of Christ through the ages. And then he says this, and I, this is part of what I've just been saying. The human side has been totally inadequate. Every age has been adequate, inadequate. There have been saints in every age. We have brothers and sisters that are on the other side. They will not be saved until somebody on this side gets through. No change. Everything will be egregious, perverse, and even darker. My God, how can it get any worse? Somebody says, yeah, it's true. And uh, it says, <laughs> it says that this is true intellectually, socially, physically, constitutionally, in the case of by far the greater number of those who've been used in these transcendent times. Okay, turn with me to Ecclesiastes 5. We don't have to be here all day. But uh, we, we keep coming, and God can speak to you if you desire him to. 
And if you get called out or you're on a difficulty, I'm, I didn't finish a sentence. And I'm really, Sister uh, uh, Karen Keller has been on me for years. Only she didn't tell me that until the last few. If she'd have, she would have helped me earlier if she would have said, put a big red pencil mark and finish your sentences. But anyway, I stood here today and I thought, dear God, I, the idea of raising the dead, miracle power in my hands, I thought of it. Because I saw miracles. I saw things going up to strangers and saying this and saying that. And, and it was a puff. It, it, you've heard me say it. If you have been around, uh, ask somebody else. But the gift is not the man. It puffs. It makes you think you're something you're not. You stand and prophesy, that's a gift. You, you're a word, that's a gift. You're a mechanic, that's a gift. Okay? I mean, my grandson got over, he picked up a, a clarinet, and he played Amazing Grace without a squeak. I was so jealous I couldn't see straight. But God knew. He knows where to disperse the gifts. And I would, I'd like to be in Singapore. I saw the darlings, I saw the, the, the little fathers that I carried in my arms with, with children and wives. And I said, God, dear God, why can I just concentrate and be in Singapore? Well, I haven't finished some stuff with God. There's a lot of things, a lot of dealings, a lot of time, hopefully, for some. And you have to finish your course. And you're a joint heir with Christ himself today. You're, you're in the will. You're in the covenant. If you don't believe that, and, I, and there are those who I think are foolish and ridden with religiosity who want to say, well, what if this? And what about that? And what about this fire? And what about what God's going to do? Why would you want to work on the dark side when God has said, I've given you everything. Why would you want to go there? The only reason would be that somehow you're under an influence and a spirit that doesn't really believe. When Paul said, not things that have happened, not things that are going to happen, things present, Say it with me. Nothing, say it, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Now that has to be more than a wish or, or a magnet on the refrigerator uh, wall. If it's a working principle, you'll see the power. You'll sense the power. And you'll sense something else. You'll sense that this damnable pretense of thinking you're something that you're not. And the, the religious protection that you hide from, that no one that you've ever seen, regardless of their experience, and there may be few, I want to be careful, 
But everyone has swum, has died, played, been limited by their participation in darkness after knowing and after the power of God came upon them and divided them from darkness. So don't look down at anyone, but especially yourself. And I've said this over and over, but it keeps coming up. I, I just can't forgive myself. I just, I'm not worth it. I, please, dear ones, get that settled. We all agree that the worth is in God's plan for us. It has nothing to do with us in the sense of worth. It will have if we're responding and believe that that love will take us to the very edge of, you know, I mean, I've, I've often wondered, when, when will this, I mean, Paul knew, didn't he? Didn't he know that he was finished? Didn't he know that he did a good job? Yeah, he said, there's a crowd waiting for me. I'm gonna be, it'll be a celebration when I go. That was wonderful. All right, Ecclesiastes 7. You guys are gonna pick up the pace here because you're listening slow. Verse 7 of Ecclesiastes 5. And the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities, but fear the Lord. What? Wait a minute. And the multitude of dreams and the many words, there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. What is Solomon talking about there? What is this meaning? He's talking about my soul. He's talking about yours. He's saying that, it's, that it wanders. He's saying that it's a male gigolo or a female prostitute. It sells itself on the street. The soul on its own is untrustworthy. It wanders. <laughs> I remember, you know, someone, you know, they say, what are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do? You graduate next year. What are you going to do? Everybody's got to, I'm going to do. I'm thinking about. And the smart one said, I don't know. I have no idea. Or they get maybe their first and second year of college or whatever it is, and, and somebody says, uh, uh, what's your major? Uh, I, I just haven't, haven't, maybe one day, maybe I will. Well, let me say this to you. Your soul is so creative. I mean, if just sometimes, just take a, a history book or a, a lineage of history and, and look at it and think about the reality of what the soul of man has accomplished. It looks good. I mean, we landed on the moon, and it says, what does it say? One step for man, one for man, or whatever it was. 
Oh, oh wow, that really brought us someplace, didn't it? Yes, from the things on the earth. The air shot did many, many things in terms of electrical. It did a lot for the, for the techies. So the, the contributions are self-absorbed to a great extent on a natural plane. But what does God think? Well, he must not think real highly of it because his, one of his favorites, at least according to John, says, <laughs> the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What's the pride of life? I would imagine, I mean, my wife had has the, 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 her inclination was architecture. I think she could have built buildings. I'm glad she didn't. She, I almost made a wreck of me, or us. But God called us out of these things. I had all kinds of inclinations. I was in Vienna, Switzerland. I ran all over the place to try to find out where my where the guy that had helped me more than any, anybody else, a guy that I loved from afar, I loved him in print, and I wanted to go to his house. And he was a history maker for me, but I couldn't even find out where he lived. Now, five seconds, who was he? See, uh, <laughs> I've done that for 67 years, and it's kind of scary, but she, she probably could, there was a time when that girl, that's it. Yeah. I went to Hollywood. I read with the guys, a couple of them I'm probably are stars. I had inclinations, thank God. Thank God I was afraid because my wife was a better actress than I was an actor. And I would have been, that's, uh, that's uh, Betty Greer's wife, I think. I didn't have the face to be a leading man. I was inclined. I thought about that. I thought I was gonna, gonna go, uh, that maybe uh, I would get a PhD and deal with poetry and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway and the big three who left America. And, and you know how the soul is? You do know how your soul is. I just want, I want to make sure we get this across. The other day, I sat there and I couldn't remember exactly uh, the, the story of, of um, the, the writer who wrote uh, uh, Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. And there are several in here who know who I'm talking about. You can name it. And I remember reading something about him, but I knew that he died as an alcoholic in 19, well, he was 39 years old, drank himself to death. And I, want, I wanted to go further. I spent an hour and a half researching his relatives, his life, and everything else. And I, it's embarrassing to even share this. But it's right there on the internet. I can get that information like that. And I like, I, I can be curious. My soul is, can wander. Does yours ever? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, both of you there, really. You know the reality is, 
that's it. For in the multitude of dreams, everybody has a dream. What are you going to do? I'm going to be a doctor someday. I'm now, a, a little kid that I saw on the thing. He's uh, he's practicing now in a, in a hospital. Sam Song Young, and he uh, he came on with his beautiful wife and his his children, and he said. Brother Bill, I think God wants me to be a doctor. That's a different set of things. You know, I don't know. I'm praying about it. We'll see. Well, he is. He's an anesthesiologist. And a tremendous, I mean, he stayed, stayed, strong word, beautiful young man. And please understand, if God directs your life, that's a different thing than the, the figment of your imagination. I wasn't, and even today I have to, I have to say, God, help me stay under. And the only living word I've had that I can absolutely know that God said to me is stay under, stay under, stay under. One more time, stay under. Like, you might be a little thick there, knock, knock. Anybody home? Maybe not. But you're not home. You're not home. And you're not safe. The most unsafe place is out from under the living God. How do you get your soul? Somebody say it out loud. Anybody? Patience. What? Okay, how many people got that? Can I just see hands, just for the rest of the people who didn't, um, who'd forgotten, maybe. You know, it just means stay under. Hubamino. Big word, simple task. Not so simple because you have an arresting soul that has to be settled. This is why you've heard me say, Get rid of it. My inclination for things that I was good at, I mean, I can look at a form or look at a, a group of horses and frequently say, Who, who's going to win? Dangerous stuff. Trust in your soul. It wanders. It's capricious. It's fickle. It will buy anything because the enemy is stronger than you and he will breadcrumb you into stuff that you've thought about. You just think about it and think about it. And this is what, you know, it's kind of dangerous because frequently people will come to mind and they'll come to mind and come to mind and you've heard me say, I don't want to, I'm not going to call, uh, I've told you, told you how this happened. I'm not going to go down and try to call uh, John Miller because I never really liked him that much. But I'm kind of curious. But God kept on me. And you saw me cry up here. I thought I was going to go boo-hoo like, you know, if I cry, I like to cry like a man. But when you're crying, you can't. You're just a mess. Right? Huh? 
One of the reasons you guys love Aaron because he's not afraid to cry up there. You know. I'm in a movie with Betty on Wood years ago. It's not going to get me crying. Didn't trust crying because crying is, I'll be all right after I cry, and I haven't ever been all right after I've cried sometimes. I got worse. I just thought I was okay. Crying is good. You can clear the rack, the, the, uh, I said rack, the, the glands there. Sacral glands. You, you cry and you, you clean them up. <coughs> Your soul has to trust that God's adventure is greater than you're doing it. And it is so fierce. How fierce is it, Bill? Okay, let's look at some fierceness of God's soul that he made, and he likes it. Uh, let's see. Okay, here it is. When I say, my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint, then thou searches me with dreams and terrifies me with visions. John Dufin got, got a terrible dream the other night. The first part of it I didn't want to hear anymore. The rest seemed to be okay. But he was being buried alive. That's what I don't watch horror movies. They have people buried and they can't get out and they knock on the coffin. You know, that's healthy. So that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my life. Now, please understand this. This is the world's, <laughs> I mean, at that time, the most righteous man being tested. Every one of us are being tested. You know? You really are. Not more than you can handle. Perfectly designed for you. Bigger than you think you can handle. How many people have already been through that little one? You say, God, I, what, what are you up to here? But, uh, you know, I'll just say it again. There's no purpose going on. You say, well, I want to go where things are really happening. The thing that's really happening is right now, inside you, from God. That's the only thing you can do anything with. You know, I, I, you know, I'd like to make a, a hot path over a stomp on my feet like I used to do in the early days sometimes, and go over and put my hands on, on our sister and say, live! But I know better. I know God is the one that has to do that stuff. Everybody in this room is, <laughs> is in the laboratory of the living God. He's looking at you from all sides, listening to your prayers. And I, 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 sometimes I say, God, I, I really think I mean it this time. And I think, dear God, I've seen this shuffling 
La Cucaracha of my soul, coming out from under God and thinking that perhaps now I really understand this situation. I loathe it, he says, my, his life. I would not live always. I don't want to live always. Let me alone. Let me alone. My days are vanity. And what is man that thou should magnify him, and thou should set your heart on him, and that thou should visit him every morning and try him every moment? Because he's with you as a caregiver and as a father who loves you, and you're a precious commodity with him. It's true what he says. But you, you don't want to judge it on the way. What happened at the end of the matter? What happened? What? Yeah, what did he say? I, I repent. <laughs> I was wrong. Forgive me. And God did. He is going to bring you through in spite of yourself. If you sit and contend against the love of God, you're a fool. You'll still be there. will still get there. There's nothing you can do against God's love for you. I know there are a lot of people who want to say, well, you believe in that? Look, the overwhelming tsunami, that's the word I used before, when I saw my God, I'm, the mercy and the grace is overwhelming. And the palpability of that mercy. I mean, and we brought a word up that was kind of helpful. Remember what it was? Immutability. I have a strong guarantee for you, and I'm not the one to speak immutability, but I'll tell you, that sun is probably gonna go down tonight and we'll see the sky in a way we've never seen it before because God makes Picasso and Rembrandt and those guys look like they can't paint. He's a sensualist of form, and he's formless. He dares to allow men to talk about his eyes and his ears and his strong arms, and he doesn't have it. He's a spirit. He lets us make up things to project and people said, well, it says here about that fire. <clears throat> and the absolute circumstance of your life is, from beginning to end, you came out with a mother in great pain. <laughs> and that was as much fire as she'd ever seen. And there's a constancy of that because that's what he is. His consuming love wants fellowship. <coughs> and the fathers who stand over cribs, the mothers who stand over cribs looking at their babies, and their babies defy them. <laughs> the babies scream, shaking their fist. <laughs> they arch their back. 
My, I'm, a, I'm amazed that my son is as bright as he is and that he did so well in engineering. Because a little kid, he pounded his head on the tile floor. I, and I, he, he, he wasn't a nice boy at the time, but I, I still, it scared me. I thought, my God, he's going to knock what brains he has. I didn't know if he had a brain at that time. Why would he do that? His soul, his willpower. Boy, my, the girls come on and say, you know, like, especially the young ones who haven't, had, or haven't been around. They say, what? His soul is fairly strong. Yeah. <laughs> Until that soul is under God, it's not going to function. It can't be a friend. It can't be a husband. It can't be a wife. It can't be in anything. It's, what was the line? Oh, diverse vanities. Your soul and the multitude of your dreams that don't come from God are diverse vanities, a waste. Oh, and if God tells you to do something and you try it, uh, here's one. Um, Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings of my mouth. This is from David. O Lord, and teach me thy judgment. My soul is continually in my hand. Boy, that is the truth. And that should scare you. Because your will, your emotions, I mean, sometimes my fear, I've, I've gone through some days when I am so disgusted, my emotions, and I'm thinking, I, I have no reason, no rational reason, nothing factored, nothing I, I know that I've done, and sometimes it's just, it just a wave of depression that comes on. Now, somebody said, you're going to have a breakdown? No, I'm not smart enough to have a breakdown. You have to be fairly bright before you have a breakdown. Uh, just uh, very limited. If I break down, there's no problem. It's like a Model T. Anybody, some of the girls <coughs> on Facebook. But God's love for you is so thick at times and so overwhelming. You, it, it's almost taken for granted, and the devil is constantly, I use the word breadcrumbing, or you know, baiting you, giving you what you think will make you happy. <coughs> what you think will settle it. I mean, there are people say, and I, it's not, I'm not making fun of trips or anything, but there were days years back, and I thought, why? Why couldn't you have given us a place on the ocean with warmer climates? Why didn't you do what you did? But he does what he does, and yet there's no argument. You're not going to turn him. You're not going to turn him around. You may convince him that you really want something, and frequently he'll give you something that you don't need, and you found out, oh, what a waste. I gave too much time to the waste of that.
Okay, I'm going to read something, and I, I think I, I have it here. But uh, you know what? I left it there, but I'm just going to have to do it by memory. Uh, uh, <coughs> you remember when David and his crowd were guarding the sheep of uh, Nabal. How many people read that story? Good story. Okay, it was really kind of a protection agency. There were renegades that were running around. And, and somebody suggested, uh, uh, David sent one of his men and said, we'd appreciate some refreshments and stuff. They were on the run. He had several uh, hundred men and they were on the run. And he was guarding their sheep and the guys that were shepherds liked it and everything. And Nabal said, forget it. Uh, I'm not gonna do anything like that. And the, the news got back to David, and David said, that's it, let's go, get your swords. You guys stay with the goods, we're gonna go down, I've gotta kill my, myself a few people. And the word got through, you know, to Abigail. And do you remember Abigail's speech? If anybody has a quick Bible there, get it, because there's something, to me, this is what I know God spoke. <laughs> what? It's in 1 Samuel 25, but there's a line that he gives there that you need to go home with, that she gave to him. Now David was on his, he was on a kill. Anybody have, uh, feel like crossing the room and killing? Everybody, uh, get your hands ready for a choke. Have you ever been, I mean, you guys, most of you came from a real nice neighborhood called Whitestone, a lot of you, but I do. My neighborhood, if you didn't fight, the guys that just beat your face up and you'd be so bloody, you know, for being a coward. Wasn't that I was courageous, I just didn't want to get beat up. But David was on the kill. And, do you, you, you have it there? 26. What? 26. What does she say? Somebody read. In, is it verse 26, what she said when she came to David? She brought, she brought stuff to him. She had, she had raisins. She had, uh, it says, two bottles of wine. Well, they had 200 men they had. Their bottles of wine were on these donkeys she brought. And they were big bottles. They were like these, uh, uh, I mean, lots, lots of wine. And she was a great-looking woman. And she said, oh, my God. Because he was going down to kill every man. The Bible says every man, everyone that pisses on the wall dies. That's what David said. You know. Read it. The part where Abigail speaks to him. She says, my, my Lord. Yes. Yeah, get up here. Get up here where they can hear you. This is good stuff. She says a lot here. Do you want the first part or kind of in the middle? No, I want that little section where she says, that you may be bound up in the... Okay. But, the other man has risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the middle of the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thy enemies. Then shall we sling out as in the middle of the sling. Ah, you think David said... Hey, this girl remembers that I was pretty good with a slingshot. It's a good speech. <laughs> it's a good speech. 
And guess what? At the end of that story, uh, the story ends very halfway. He comes back. But <laughs> I looked at it and I thought the girls might like the story. But he took two women. He took another woman at the same time he, he took uh, Abigail. So women were kind of uh, chattel in those days. And the Lord Jesus changed that. And as we close here, and I'm closing right now, where's your bond? If you and I don't make our bond with God, the major issue of our life, God's still going to be faithful to you. And I, and I kind of made a, I made a statement that's not true. You will grow. Even if you want to be nasty, do your own thing, you'll grow. You'll grow so sick of you because you're called. And some of you sit here today because you already have. Many times you've felt, I can't, I don't want to get me out of here. And the only thing that keeps any of us is the keeping power of God. We're loose geese, not worth the power to blow us out of a balsa wood phone booth unless we're bound up with God. That girl, <laughs> I remember a little girl over there that didn't think much of herself in uh, that part of the world. And uh, she, she said, her name, and it was, you know, Mung Sing Ling or something. And I said, no, your name's Abigail. Because you're beautiful and you don't know it. No. It takes a good father to convince a girl that she's beautiful. And that's one of the jobs to frame them. And I remember, When in Matthew, the Lord is speaking, and, and, he, and he tells the disciples, and, he, and it's written for us, that, that we're more valuable than the sparrows that fall from the sky. And that our hair, the hair on our head is numbered. And, and he, said, he said to him in that section there in, in Matthew, he said, would you, would you trust that God cares more for you than, than the birds? And in closing, I want to tell this story, and, and I, I like the story, it's embarrassing. But as a little kid, I had a BB gun. I, don't, I think I must have been six, maybe seven. I don't know. 
But I could never hit a sparrow. I couldn't, I couldn't shoot at them. Uh, because they were, they were so quick and it go through their feathers. And I wasn't shaking them, that wasn't the reason. But I couldn't, I couldn't kill them. So I got, I, I went down to a chicken pen and I got some chicken feed and I took it to a, a quieter place because rooster, I mean, birds sometimes don't land where there's chickens. And I, and I put some, some grain out and I leaned down in the grass with my BB gun and I think I shot about maybe five or six sparrows. And I didn't know anything about God. But I remember getting up. I got up and I walked away with my gun and I looked back at the sparrows and I walked over and I was so, so convicted. Not, uh, maybe I'm pressing this as a story further. I don't know. But I've thought about that all my life, every time a sparrow lands. And, it, and I had no idea when I was so distraught and, and I was quitting young life, my life was messed. I'd just come through and gotten a perfect grade in class and I was not happy about it. I had psoriasis all over my, my body and I couldn't sleep because of, oh my God, I'm no good, I'm no good. I'm, I'm deserting God. And I told you this story. Drive along. The wiper's going like this, and I'm crying out loud, Betty's asleep, and driving a new car, heading home. It's a storm in Colorado, and a bird hits it. <coughs> and now, that doesn't mean anything to you. But you have those stories. And God has been running you down. He, he cares for you, and he'll continue to execute that care, regardless of your response, if you have been born from above. He doesn't forget that birth any more than a nursing mother would forget her child. Uh, and I've talked to him, girls that have adopted, sent their children out to be adopted. They long, they wonder, they come around, and they say, oh my God, it, it's a haunting thing. God has haunted your house from before you got here. And he's been running after you. You're to be bound up with him, not the wandering soul. It's, it's vicious, it's capricious, it's perverse. It, God made it that way for you to be disappointed with life and say help. And when you say help, he comes. Father, we thank you that uh, you are breaking bondage and bonds. Our bonds with music, our bonds with our efforts, our bonds with what we're going to be. 
what we have been, and great one. When I said to you way back and mocked the line out of 119.20, my soul breaks for the longing that it has for your judgment at all times. I was a liar. I didn't know. Great God, awaken our souls to the fix, to the focus, to the intention, to your will. And let our emotional wandering, our will power that is really not that powerful, it's a joke. Take a look at the accomplishments of, of the so-called greatest land on earth. We're invaded. We're probably at the end of anything that's great. Help us, great one, to come to terms with who we are, where we are, and where we're going for your sake. Amen.